Imagine yourself in October of 2019 and you go into a boardroom and you say with 100% certainty, listen, in January, a pandemic is going to start in China and it's going to shut the entire world down for two months, right? And you have all this evidence to back you up. Are they going to believe you? So I'm Steve. And I'm Bessie. And we're with Found. I'm Christian. I lead a company called WavePoint. Well, we're starting this podcast to bring a little bit more optimism into this crazy world. We've always appreciated uh, Christian's uh, objective and optimistic view um, on the future. When COVID hits and, uh, you know, finding your identity and leveraging your identity and holding on to it seems more important than ever. A positive view of the future was something that we wanted to just share. And what we're really doing as a, as a group is we're, we're, we're sense-making in this time of the pandemic. So I think um, the pandemic is certainly challenging identity and, and by extension, companies' strategic intent. There's a lot of things that are in flux. Cassandra, uh, who was given the gift of perfect foresight, and, and so she could predict the future and she could tell anybody what the future was. Uh, but then the, the gods uh, got mad at her and cursed her to never be believed. And, and this, is hap this happens all the time. Identity is incredibly personal and foresight often challenges identity. So the, the, you have to take your client on the journey together through that process so that they can see themselves or their company in those futures um, so that they don't just reject them. President Bush in 2005, he was reading uh, a book about the 1918 pandemic, realized that this could happen at any time in the future and came back and launched an enormous push to create a strategic architecture for a response to a pandemic, right? That was, he came up with that realization on his own after reading somebody's book. So uh, the fact that we had seen uh, avian flu, that we had seen MERS, we had seen a new version of SARS, um, and that these were being generated out of, you know, places in, in China where a burgeoning and highly dense population was edging up against nature, right? Um, the fact that global warming is happening and is thawing the Arctic, and as it thaws the Arctic, is releasing viruses and bacteria that have been around for tens of thousands of years, but have been safely frozen in the tundra. Um, so there are, there are an awful lot of trends that, that you could work a, a group through back in October uh, that would lead them to sort of say, wow, we, have a, we could have a pandemic, we better get ready. I was talking with one of our, our colleagues, Kelly Cornett, about organizational change theory, and she reminded me of Kurt Lewin's original, sort of the godfather of organizational change theory around you unfreeze, you change or transform, and then you refreeze. And I think we're all now experiencing an external organizational change. And everything is unfreezing right now. We're in this incredible disruptive phase right now, and it's really, really important for companies while they're doing all the firefighting and trying to keep as many of their employees employed and, and as, as many products stocked on the shelves and figuring out new ways to get their products to consumers, they have to start that introspective journey of who are we as a company? Will we have the right identity? Will we have the right strategic intent? Will we have the right capabilities when everything refreezes? I think we forget when things unfreeze that that's the standard state of things, right? The change is the standard state of things. We get so used to 
stability, when we have periods of stability, that we forget that they're always finite. It, it's really important for companies to recognize that need to do some naval gazing while they're doing all of this external firefighting. Well, how do you find that place in the middle of this sort of unprecedented change uh, event that, you know, all, all of the information around you is leading you to believe that everything will be different and your entire market is upended? How do you find that that space to, to connect to your identity? I think, it, I think the answer is always to look um, inward first. Because everything in the world is telling you to to start by looking out and to see what everybody else is doing and to see what the trends are and to see to try to understand what is happening so that you can know what to do. And you need to do those things, but I think you need to start with what is your strategic intent? Who are you going to be? What is the change you want to create in the world? Because once you know that, then you have then you have a lens with which to look at. You have a lens with which to look through at these things and to look at the future. And it, it allows you to parse things in a way that you can't if you don't have that lens. Identity is critical. Um, and as we go into different clients and we have these conversations with them, not even you know prior to the pandemic, there were lots of disruptions that were happening that were challenging people's, I mean, companies' traditional understanding of their, ident- their corporate identities, right? So they had things that they had built their companies on for a long period of time that suddenly were no longer fit to purpose into the next sort of generation of, of economic activity. And so, you know, really trying to understand what is their true identity? Okay, well then how do we reframe that across these different futures as they move forward and how do you authentically participate? And so this nature of identity is really wrapped up, not just in the now, but in the future. Absolutely, and I think the, the, the metaphor of like holding on to something, if you think about change being this constant river moving around you, if you try to hold on to too much, right, you become inflexible and it's very likely that you'll break, be forced to break. If you don't have a, a an anchor of identity to hold on to, if you don't understand what your strategic intent is, you're going to get swept up in trends, you're going to get swept up in the change and you will be directionless. So there's this um, very intentional place that you need to do the navel gazing in order to arrive at that intentional place of knowing, okay, this is this is who we are, this is what we're doing. And that then allows you to be a lot more comfortable going through change. You know, I think post-pandemic, we're gonna have an initial boom, right? So whether it's a vaccine or it's antivirals, people are gonna have this pent-up need to get out, to spend, to travel. They may say, who knows when we'll be able to do this again? What happens if the virus mutates and then this, all, none of this works? So I need to get some experience while I can, right? So there's going to be this boom and then every, no one's going to have any money and then it's going to shrink back a little bit and then we're going to get to more steady economic growth. But if we can get that boom to sort of jumpstart things, that's really interesting. So sure. really interesting to be thinking about identity, identity across timescales. That idea of timescales is interesting. You know, most humans, I think, are, are kind of grounded in the now and then obviously where their business is clearly going to them. Um, but when you think about identity across the time scale, you know, as a futurist, Christian, how do you help? How do you help companies hold on to identity through possible views of the future and where their company might go that they might not have foreseen? Be unique before your competitors. So you don't you're not seen as a copycat. You're not. But at the same time, you're not seen as somebody new in the field. You're, you're building on an identity you've always had, and you're morphing that into the future that you're, you're, that, that is coming to be. 
kind of leads us back to the this concept of authenticity, right? Which is not a new thing. I mean, marketers have been using it for at least a decade as a thing that you do to get people's attention. But I think it's been misused, frankly, for for in a, in a sort of shallow way. And what it's resulted in is people um, having this reaction that you're talking to companies who may be perceived as virtue signaling, right? Like doing things just so that they will look good, not because they really mean it. So I, I do agree with you. I think there's authenticity and trust there. I think there are some industries that are especially challenged right now because some of the things that they would perceive as absolutely core to who they are, are the things that may need to be, the pandemic is saying you, you may need to let some of this go. And you know, that is incredibly difficult, how you think about the value you're creating. So for instance, in the hospitality industry, you know, are you a hotel or are you an enabler of connections, mm-hmm. right? So the old, in the old system, you were an enabler of connections because people traveled and stayed where you were so that they could go socialize or do work in other places. Well, now an enabler of connections may be more digital, more virtual. It may allow the brand to still express its authentic value, but in entirely new and different ways. Yeah, we're seeing some of those examples too in the in the um, some of the people that we're working with in the restaurant industry as well, uh, in the way they're re- reinventing themselves and struggling to different degrees. When when there's a focus on okay, we're we're about providing food. Uh, of, of extremely high quality to people paired with an experience that then sort of frees them up from being a brick and mortar entity where people have to come and gather. Even just even that slight shift in how they define themselves has allowed them to then explore uh, new business models that might end up being the way restaurants are in the future. Yeah, right? and so that brings me to the, think of the the example of Cisco S Y S C O, the the restaurant supply company, which is a business to business company that supplied a lot of restaurants, prepared, semi-prepared and raw natural ingredients uh, for restaurants. Um, And what were they going to do when the pandemic struck and all the restaurants closed down? Well, luckily, their uh, president's new CEO, uh, who I worked with while at CVS as a client, had just become, you know, had just come from CVS, which was a B2C retail um, chain. And so he was able to take his experience in the, 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 the B2C world and, and say to Cisco, okay, how do we, how do we go direct to consumer? Like what are the avenues and channels that we can take all this food that could potentially be rotting and actually use it to help consumers who are having a tough time getting groceries. And so they, they, their core stayed the same, you know, delivering high quality, uh, ingredients. Uh, but they were able to change, how the consumer experienced that, right? They removed the middleman um, to get directly to people and serve them in a time of need. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was luck and skill for that they were able to do that because there are a lot of businesses that have not had such an, an, an easy time changing their supply chains or being, or being able to flex their distribution models. And, you know, you're hearing all these stories about how farmers are dumping thousands of gallons of milk mm-hmm. on the farm. And then, you know, they're going into the store and they see that the milk jugs on the shelves are being rationed, right? Because the supply chain didn't match up. So well, Cisco is an um, interesting um, example yeah. because it's not like post pandemic and post grocery store scarcity. Will Cisco continue to be consumer direct to consumer groceries? The, the strain on that is, is most likely temporary. We don't need, you know, gro- different levels of grocery stores and, and, and food delivery, I think, on the consumer end. So how does a company adapt to that need in an agile way? 
yeah. you know, for these three months. And then so that's that's really interesting. I think one of Cisco's challenges, you know, pre-pandemic was they were moving into this headwind of I want farm to table. I want local ingredients. I want, you know, 100 percent. You know, literally, there are restaurants where the chef goes out and forages in the forest in the morning. And that's what gets served in yeah. the evening. Right. And so Cisco isn't that model. I, I would like to think that consumers, again, are going to remember the partners who are with them through this and carry them into the future. So as more mainstream restaurants open up, <clears throat> you know, Cisco, the, the, the acceptance of Cisco as a provider to these restaurants will grow. Because again, the consumers are going to want uh, to bring with them into this new future, the partners that got them through. And certainly when you know, you go to a restaurant to do a pickup and at the same time you can pick up groceries for your home through and Cisco's enabling mm -hmm. that. That's one of those things that they're going to carry with them, I think. Um, so that's interesting, the, the opportunity for Cisco to change consumer perception of them as like this mass food, big, big truck delivering um, boxed food to different restaurants that, you know, aren't cool enough to go to pre-pandemic. And then now that it, it might actually be a beacon of safety and, and uh, and security exactly. in addition to um, the fact that they were able to pivot and supply um, people in need. You know, we're not done with pandemics. Um, the reality is that these coronaviruses are happening more often. Um, they're mutating out in the world. And there are other drivers out there that are going to that could potentially create even worse pandemics down the line. Uh, for a very long time, consumers sensibilities are going to be around um, really understanding how this product got to me. And then that opens up whole other worlds and questions around how did this product get to me? Was it equitably uh, created? Does everybody that touched this thing get a piece of the profit in a way that makes sense? And was it sustainably created? What, what damage did this do to the planet when it, between the time it was raw ingredients to the time it's in my home? I, I do think the pandemic is gonna, is gonna put more of that in people's minds over the long term. And I think some of the tools that the pandemic is is developing or forcing to be developed around transparency may help a lot of more people discern authentic behavior from non-authentic behavior at, at the corporate level. Companies are going to have to invest at the very least in a lot more work around creating hygienic, hygienic supply chains. So um, how do I know as a consumer how many people have touched this and when? And, you know, is it safe for me to consume? And even if it's in a post-pandemic world, early on in the post-pandemic, people are going to be still incredibly sensitive to, to that. Obviously, it's going to be a shift in habits. This certainly has lasted already long enough to create new habits. Um, and I, there's going to be, there's a shift in values. Like Cisco might go from the big, big, food. big food to safe food reliable supplier of food and whether that's to consumers or to restaurants um that's a that's a you know leaning into who they are as an identity and now they're able to layer in the safety and reliability and being a reliable partner into that yeah it, it opens up again this unfreeze change refreeze now cisco's when we're refreezing they're they're in a game they weren't in previously they're in, they're in a position potentially because they looked at themselves and they kind of said who are we really it also creates um, something else that everyone is looking for is really around authenticity, right? If, if you find, um, if you look inward first and you, you figure out from yourself or for your, again, from your company, 
you know, what it is that you want to be in this world uh, as we move forward, what things you keep and, 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 you know, also what things, as you said, what things do you let go because you can't be totally inflexible and keep everything. And, and from a strategic perspective, obviously strategy is not just about what you're choosing to do, but what you choose not to do. And that's where a lot of companies fail is where um, they want to try to do everything. Uh, and so strategy is very focused. Like you, it's all about creating all of your resources to create a perfect fit for that unique space that you want to be in. This moment that we're in is, I hope, one of the outcomes will be um, a, a more authentic authenticity where companies sort of have to put their um, money where their mouth is. They can't just virtue signal outwardly using marketing um, tools. They have to actually also show that they're treating their employees internally um, according to those same values that they're signaling outward. Um, and to me, that's all part goes back to identity and who are you? Um, cause you can't be one person to the market and another person internally. Um, it's, it doesn't work <laughs> if you have that kind of disparity as an individual and it doesn't work if you have that kind of disparity as an organization either. Identity is such a crucial tool to use because it allows you to understand as an individual, but also as an organization, okay, here are the things that we're going to hold on to so that we are able to change the things we need to change in order to move forward. I like that imagery, what we what we hold on to. And so that's a really interesting question. What do you hold on to and what do you bring with you on your journey? And then how does that help your customers, your consumers, your communities, your employees go through this, their journeys as well? And then on the other side, what does it mean to deliver long-term value to those once this pandemic is, is, is over? When we talk with Clients, or especially clients that are consumer focused, they're talking about how do we become an authentic part of their journey through all of this? Because there's a strong belief that the partners in the journey now will, when things refreeze, be your partners of choice after. Listen, in the long term, we're going to be back in soccer stadiums. We're going to be back drinking in bars. We're going to be enjoying incredible meals with friends in restaurants. Human history has always been that. It will be that again, right? How can we put a lighthouse out there that says someday this will be behind us? And when it is behind us, are we participating authentically um, and profitably in that new world? You've been listening to Wavepoint Found, the podcast that explores brand and identity in the context of change. I'm Vessi Ivanova. And I'm Steve Hurst. And we're with Found Brand Agency. We'll help our clients launch brands, ideas, and products by keeping them grounded in their identity as they navigate change. I'm Christian Cruz, founder of WavePoint. We help companies use the future to grow their products and services, contribute to their communities, and create a better planet. Our show is produced by Found Brand Agency, with original score by Richard Carpenter. You can find past episodes and subscribe for future episodes by visiting anchor.fm slash wavepointfound. Thank you for listening.